Welcome everyone to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. Today I'm joined by Christoph Carvenius, founder at Disco.ai, formerly at King and Tactile for many years. Also have Brian Herb, tech producer at Boka, Emil Udestrand, QA release manager at Serverilla, and Chris Ong, tech lead at Metacore, here to figure out what makes teams high-performing and how do we create high-performing teams. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, a Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we start with the questions, I'll let everyone introduce themselves. Emil, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Emil Udistrand. I work for Turborilla. Uh, it's a... Uh a game company that creates uh, uh, action sports game for the mobile market. Uh, I worked before this uh, 10 years in Quebec City for bigger companies, for Activision and for, for Ubisoft for a long time. And before that, I used to have my own company actually that made uh, applications for touch screens for, for almost a decade. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. It's gonna be a really interesting, uh, interesting podcast. Great, and Chris stuff. All right, so I'm Christoph. Uh, I've been um, working with games most of my career. Uh, started with data, moved on to product, like a, a quite common journey. Um, now I've um, actually started looking more into generative AI, which we want, I think, can see it's going to be quite impactful. It's like not directly involved with data, but will probably be related to it somehow in the end. Um, I'm in Vienna, um, moved here a couple of years ago, and uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Great, and Ryan? Yes, um, I'm Ryan Herb, uh, I'm from France. Uh, I have been wanting to be a producer because I, I love to work with creative people and trying to make people be able to you know achieve things they would not be able to achieve on their own. Um, I started as a um, studying game design, I ended up being a programmer in most projects, student projects, and then uh, over my career at Amplitude, Arrowhead, and now Boca Boca, uh, I've taken, uh, ended up usually uh, talking a lot with programmers and engineers and uh, developing my skills in that area. So I've specialized into uh, working with the engineering part and, uh, and solving technical complex issues and making sure we solve whatever creative problems we're trying to solve as technical people, yeah. Great, and Chris Hong. Yeah, I'm Chris Hong, nice to meet you all. Uh, yeah, I'm a tech lead at Metacore. Uh, Metacore is the one of the, the fast growing uh, game company in Helsinki here, is the house of Merge Mansion and Merge Vikings. Uh, and for myself, yeah, uh, I started as a server programmer almost 30 years ago, and I, I start uh, started my own, three of my own companies and ran that for more than 15 years and the rest of my career was uh the producer or the the tech lead uh for the game development so yeah uh bunch of years still there thank you perfect let's start emil what is your question and the context behind it 
Well, my question is what makes teams high performing? Why, what, what, what kind of criteria do you need in a team to make them perform well? Uh, I, I'm really interested in this question because I, I work both in big projects groups and in small projects groups and really big, big, uh, projects and small projects. Uh, and it's very different ways to kind of make this happen depending on, on both on different things, both of the project's type and the project's size and the project's group. And, but I think a few things come together in all of this, how we actually can work with, with, with teams to make them perform better than they might like otherwise would. Uh, so that's why I really burn for this question and what, what is it that we can see in, in, in teams and in, in the behaviors of teams that, that we can identify as as things that actually work to make them uh, perform better. Uh, so I'll start with throwing that question out to uh, to Chris. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Is that I I think this is really big question and very important question. I mean, it's like uh, uh, the first of all, uh, yeah. It, uh, I think it's very difficult to say what is the real high performing itself. Uh, and and I think I, I I think it's it's yeah none of us can easily answer on this, but at least uh, yeah uh, let let me say it's like uh, I think the one of the most important thing is like uh, we if we are focusing on the, the the achievement of the team itself then yeah business like the most one of the the, the uh, the important thing is how we can really reach at there and how we can measure there. So, uh, in that way, uh, if we want to make the team uh, to reach at the goal, then I think so. One of the, one of the key point is uh, try to keep everyone in the same same uh, what's that kind of a same same track. Uh, yeah. So it's like uh, keep the people on the track and try them to remind themselves. Uh, where are we going? How fast or how slow or uh, the speed of our pace uh, itself? And also, uh, yeah, uh, try to re remind them. Okay, uh, where, uh, how long we are going to, uh, uh, yeah, be there? Uh, I mean, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, uh, how how long is the journey of actual human uh, uh, moving together. So, so I, I, I think those things, uh, I, uh, yeah, they are quite important mm, for me. Uh, but what do you think? Uh, any other? I mean, it's, it's a really hard question. I mean, if, if we actually had the answer to this question, we, we could all quit our jobs and start consulting instead because, because we both be wanted everywhere. Uh, but, but yeah, just a few things I thought about, uh, I can take out at least one of them or a couple of them. Uh, part of what is this culture, uh, you have a culture comes with leadership as well, but to foster and create a good culture around your teams, uh, uh, to create a safe environment for them to work in, uh, that creates another benefit that comes with that, for instance, autonomy and, and other things that you would like to have in the product groups. Uh, I have an example, how we try to work with this with True Barilla, for instance, we, we have some guiding principles <clears throat> that we that we kind of how we define ourselves both as a company but also how we like to work and um, we have just defined three of them um three kind of guiding principles that we, we try to go for one one is we call come as you are uh 
that means that we are approachable, we open for conversations, we, we take time to listen, um, use inclusive language, stuff like that. We keep an open mind, uh, try to be open to other perspectives, uh, no judgment, try to be mindful of differences, uh, that we try to value working together with stuff, uh, try to foster a safe work environment uh, by asking clear feedback, for instance, uh, giving praise to each other. Now, kind of a come as you are kind of thing that we try to foster in our teams. The other one is we have your back. Uh, that means that, you know, when you need a helping hand, we're, we're there, both both in persons, but also as a company. So if you have a problem, someone, you would know you have someone who will listen to it and try to help find a solution together. Uh, we make sure that we are able to be able to set out our own agenda aside for the better of the company, not just for you as well, but for the company and for the project. Um, and it's also important to know that the company has your back as an employee. You know, the, the, pro the producer has your back as well uh, to make sure that you have the opportunities you know, to deliver what you're supposed to do with the, the time frame that you have. And so you, that you are able to live your dream outside of work because we don't expect people to live their dreams in work, at work, but we expect them to live their dreams outside of work. And the other one, we, the last one, we, we kind of defined for ourselves to ship it. Uh, for that, for us, means that means that we are creative and ambitious. Uh, ambitious, try to step outside of our comfort zone, try to challenge ourselves, uh, try to make well reasoned decisions, to try to ask for help and communicate to adjust our expectations uh, when we need to. And when you know when shit gets real and we need to ship things, we 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 get things done. Um, and these are kind of the culture we try to need to foster in the teams to be able to make them high performing. Uh, uh, and a lot of things around this comes with, with trust, I would say. Uh, and with that trust, we can have autonomy uh, that I think is essential to have an effective uh, team uh, to make them pull in the same direction. I mean, uh, you can have high-performing people, but, but if they don't pull in the same direction, you, the end results might not come faster for you or not with the high quality you want, even though they all perform really, really high. So... So, and that, with that comes feedback cultural thing. That's a really important thing to be able to make people pull in the same direction. It's make people say what they need and tell what they need and share, share these things. So, so that little might take of, of that response thing. Well, what, what do you say, Christoph? Yeah, I just want to add, I, I totally agree with that one. I mean, respect, uh, I think it's hugely important. Uh, I mean, talent is obvious new factor. But uh, in a diverse team, respect for each other can, you know, yeah, it's that vector map thing where uh, if everyone puts in the same direction, you're going to get a lot more effect out of it. Second one is maybe, uh, maybe empathy, um, not just for each other, as you were talking about, but also for players. I mean, we, we talk about real people and that, that's, I mean, especially in my, my own field with, with play. It's so easy to just think of numbers and, you know, Dao Mao and <laughs> monetization, et cetera, et cetera. But, but there are real people and connecting with them. Uh, I've seen them take, uh, you know, great team to be excellent. Um, then I'm a process geek, but not, let's not get, go into that now. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can see where you come with that because uh, we work with free to play games as well. And, and, and we work for the players. I mean, that's, so how do you, if you define high performing, 
we might think we are high performing, but if our players don't want it, we're not high performing. I mean, so, so that's a good point. Uh, so yeah, you, if we don't know what our players want, then how, how can we be, how can we be high performing? How can we be effective? How, how can we be good at what we're doing? If we not, don't know what our, our customers are or our players. <laughs> but do you have a, a take on that, Ryan? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's interesting because I think you mentioned a bunch of things on, on a lot of internal qualities for high-performing teams on like empathy and uh, how the teams should be respectful in, in the team themselves. Um, and I kind of, I mean, and you guys probably have, have worked with, with these kind of there, there's sometimes you end up, you know, getting into a team or in a group where there's a team that is really doing, good at doing one thing. They're really high performing when they do that, um, but they're hard, somehow hard to work with, or they're hard to know to to get to. Their the communication with them might be difficult, or or when you ask them something, they they're going to be pushing back at first always. But they are performing really well in their domain. Like they, they're, I don't know, a really group of artists or it's a feature team or whatever it is. Um, and for me, that's, that was something I, I saw in some experiences and, and, and I, for me, like, I think what defines most, uh, what is high performing is, is a lot about, uh, teams that are able to really own whatever goal or objective they built for themselves and are able to also communicate that really well to other teams around them. They're able to set expectations and be accountable for what they're doing. And they're always able to make things move around. And when someone asks them something, they're able to either redirect it to the right people and make sure there's something is going to move in the company, or they're able to take it on themselves and make it happen either themselves or with another team or not part of the company. Um, and yeah, just trying to highlight the collaboration part a bit on the high performance part. I've had, uh, yeah, I've had experience both working with small and, and big teams in that sense. And, and it's, of course, it's much easier to do this in smaller teams. It's much easier to foster a good culture and foster uh, all these values and foster a good feedback culture and, and, and have a good communication line and, and, and get effective and fast fast information flows uh, up and down. But so, so, so yeah, that's the thing is, is, it's a lot easier to do with smaller teams. That, that's my point. If, if, if you work with really big projects and AAA projects, for instance, you, you have a project group of 500 people and, and teams are a lot bigger as well. It can be up to 50 people or 40 people in a team. And, uh, and I don't think my experience is, I, I think somehow, sometimes they do it a bit wrong, right? Why do you need that kind of a big project group for, for that? Split them in smaller, smaller teams and stuff. They make it. Instead of having this goal up here, you slice it down in smaller pieces, smaller teams, smaller smaller things that are more more uh, easy to work with uh, to to make those teams effective as well. Because uh, you can have a few people that are really hard to work with in a big team, and and if you get the kind of toxic culture in a team, it, it can be detrimental to the whole team, even if there are like fifty people. So so it's really hard to manage effectively. I think really big project groups. Uh, well, why you can have a big project with a lot of people, but do you uh, do you need that big teams? I mean, I I have a theory that I I think that you can create big projects, but with smaller teams, uh, you just have to be better at planning. <laughs> I don't. Know, do you agree with that? Um, I I mean, for me, like the challenge, the bigger you get, the more talking about 
exactly these ownership things and, and, and making sure like the limits of what is what and who is supposed to do what and those kind of things gets really important. The communication process part becomes really important. Um, I'm not convinced of the planning part because I think that's that's maybe a bit of a hot take, but I think a lot of game production and production planning a lot about it is, is you know, chaos is part of it. And planning is a dangerous sort. I mean, if you're, if you accept that the planning is changing, ever changing, then it's fine. But too much straight up planning, my experience is that it usually doesn't work well. You know, it's not, maybe it took me wrong. It's not the planning. I mean, you have to plan differently. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the same way you, you, you do, but, but plan to make people autonomous, plan to make people take charge of their, yeah. of their ownership of their task more, uh, uh, that's, that's kind of what I'm at with it. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, yeah. This, do you have anything, other things, uh, that, you know, uh, a high performance team should have to make them that is can we identify something that, that can general that if you don't have this, then it's not going to work or it works less. Good. What do you think, Christoph? Well, well, I, I, I mean that that part of empowerment is important uh, to feel that you. I mean, you, you talk about autonomy, which is sometimes confused with autocracy, but 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 uh, but, but having having uh, having empowerment is, is is something that really you know can catapult all the team into into being really high performing uh, by. Yeah, as you said, owning the goals and, and what, what what really resonated with what you talked about was the incremental approach, setting achievable goals as well. Uh, so so you 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 don't have your milestone set on million bow or whatever it is. That that could be your big hairy audacious goal if you're not a, a big company or whatever. But but that sort of incremental piece by piece, just going for it and, and hacking away at it, and also recognizing the fact that we. As humans, we, we tend to spend most of our time being wrong. So let's take short the cycle there, uh, like in the lean startup book, uh, you know, try to disprove everything as quickly as you can, as you said, ship it. So that's a little bit my take. I um, agree with your thoughts there, man. So really good. Yeah, and the one thing we haven't really talked much about, which I think is underlining, but is really important, is motivation. Uh, which is, can be really hard to work with. Uh, I mean, I, I would, I would state that motivation is not something you have or don't have. Motivation is a skill to work with. Uh, and that's a, something that is important to work with the teams as well, to make the high performance. You, you can have people that work good anyway, but to make them be the best of them. You need to be motivated what they're doing. Uh, you can't get an, an athlete to, 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 to really put in the effort to be as good as they can be if they're not motivated to do it. Like it won't happen. And it's in work life, work life as well. If you, if you're not motivated for the things you do and feel for the things you do, then, uh, you just are not going to go that extra step. You're not going to be there. Um, and that, but that's a, that's a whole discussion. That could be another podcast. It's about yeah. motivation. <laughs> we hit the bingo card there. I think that happens every podcast. Like, oh, that could be another whole podcast like that deeper question so hey i'm happy if we want to do round two already but yeah i think now is time to move on to the second question which is from chris hong chris what is your question and the context behind it yeah uh when we try to create the high performance team i think that the first 
very first beginning is the, the setting of the team itself uh, to recruit, uh, plan the team, to recruit the team members. And yeah, I, I think all of you have experience to, uh, yeah, uh, bringing out the team, build up teams by yourself. So uh, my question is, uh, what was your most important point when you are, when you try to build the, the team by yourself? And what was the, 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 the most, uh, what was your uh, learning from uh, your building up teams? Christoph, do you want to take this? Yeah. So, so one of the key learning, I mean, we touched on it earlier as well. Uh, culture is one, one part here. And when you start with building up a team, you are, whether you're conscious of it or not conscious of it, you're building a culture. Uh, and here, I think a lot, I mean, to, to really hit, I mean, you have, you have those Tuckman stages of uh, organization, the norming, storming, et cetera, et cetera. It's not as linear as that, obviously, in the real world. But, but you still have that sort of trying to find each other and, you know, who are we as a group? What are we trying to achieve? And, and I, think, I think one of the key things here is, is really, you know, making sure that you, 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 you are also listening in on trying to see the dynamics there. And sometimes it doesn't work out. I mean, not everyone gets together, you know, get well, gets on well together. Uh, and we need to recognize that. And doing those, taking those hard decisions can be a, a, a really, you know, a stepping stone to be able to reach a high performing team. And, and, and to be frank, also, it, it's, it's very few teams that are truly high performing. You know it if you've been in one <laughs> or been working with that one. But 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 I mean I, I would say it's a pretty distribution with 90% not being high performing and maybe 10% if we're lucky or really maybe one percent even really skewed distribution. Uh, uh, and that the, with that in mind that the, the whole kind of forming part is so important that, you know, I love your growth principles there or your team principles there as well, Liam, and, you know, setting, this is what, who we are, this is what we stand for, because then, then you have something to use as a bouncing board when you, when you try to, yeah, when you talk about things and, and maybe, maybe that's the, the most important point, talking, you know, make sure that you actually get together and hang out and, if it's online, it's fine. If possible, go meet each other and form those bonds that are going to last a lifetime. So that's a little bit my my thinking. Maybe I, maybe Ryan, do you have some sort of thoughts in that? Yep. Um, yes. Uh, I mean, for me, the last part that you're saying here is really, I think, what is that I consider really key. Uh, it's especially when you're building a new team, uh, it's all about trust. It's all about being able to communicate together. It's all about being able to have those conversations together. It's the team being able to know, they know that the, the, the person they're working with, they are they're trusting in their capacities, uh, their trust, they, they, they have this trust in each other. They have this trust in themselves and achieving what they're going to be achieving. They also have trust in people around them. They know that the mission they've been given or that they've given themselves, they, they believe they can achieve it that because they trust each other to do so. Um, yeah, for, for, for me, the, the trust part is the thing that I really think is, is the core of everything you want to do at the beginning of building a new team. And you can, there's a lot of pieces that are around it, 
but I think that's that's the core of of it. Uh, for me, actually, that was um, when I, I got into actually Tokawaka. I, I I came into a team that was kind of built like it was a it was a group of people that weren't working together before I came. Like a, they they were this was just a new team basically that was built a few months before and they hadn't really worked together for those months like basically they had no manager no producer no one basically trying to make them work together so they were just given tickets and they were working on the things and i came in and like it was this like team that doesn't really know what they're doing they they don't know where they're working together uh they don't they don't really talk to each other they don't know why they're getting in the daily together in the morning and things like that um, and so having to work on that, like, okay, having this discussions together where we talk about what are we trying to achieve here? How do we want to work together? Uh, have this after these few afterwards where we get together, we get in a room, we've learned to know each other. And, and, and all of that contributes to building that team trust and that team dynamics that then now people talk to each other and they know that they can trust each other to tell them about their problems. They can tell them about oh, I don't agree with what you're doing here. I would like it to do it this way or I need help here or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of my, my take on, on the question here. Yeah, it's fun, right? And you, you took a little bit because I was, I was going to talk about trust, but you took it from me. Oh, but I, I, I thought you, Christoph, you had a really important observation there that most teams are actually really not high performing at all. And, and that's the reality of things. But if you've ever been in a high performing team, you know it. Uh, you know that you're in a high-performing team. You have fun. Everybody's happy. You have fun. Everybody's motivating. You 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 talk a lot more maybe than you would do in other teams normally. You there's a feeling in the team that you know that you're you're going somewhere. You know what you're doing, and and it's it's all subjective, but it's really important things. So how did we get there? You know. Uh, but when you're in high-performing teams, you really know it. You know that that uh, oh, we all want to do the same thing. We all have the same drive. And I think that's a lot of things that that in produce I've been to that work that, that people have worked a lot for in the beginning. It's just really to make people in the team feel the same for the project. And I and they do that in bigger projects, the big AAA projects I've been with. They they normally start really, really early with with trying to to get people feel for the project motivate for the project and, and this is this is going to be so cool it's going to be so nice and because it, it's really hard to start working with trust in that pink group and start working with with things it has to count it's easier in smaller teams where you can start working with how we want to be as a team or what values do we have and stand for that so so my point is i think it's, it's as important too for for smaller projects and, and for teams as well to start making but to, to, to have the same feeling, to get the motivation for, for the project uh, and get, get people kind of have the feeling that we want to do this together. This is what, where we're going and, and what we're doing and, and, uh, we, and, and working with, with the motivation in, in the start to make people feel for it. Um, I don't know what you guys said. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's like a, the just uh yeah, it was really uh great uh observation and uh, opinion. And one thing is like uh, uh maybe this is not an answer from uh ML, sorry, <laughs> but it's like uh, just suddenly this came to my mind like uh, uh yeah, uh yes, I agree. Not all the teams are performing very uh good. Uh let's say uh, not good. Uh, I don't know what is the best 
high performance, but yeah, sometimes not really good. Uh, even we trust the people or we trust the, the culture, if we have a real trust in each other, because it, example, one of my, my, my previous, uh, yeah, <laughs> memory tells me like, uh, uh, yeah, well, I, I started my own company when I was uh, only 21 and I started with my friends. And we really super trust each other. It's like uh, we because we studied together, we played together, we worked together. We it's like uh, we almost stuck to each other twenty four hours <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was not immediately, but a uh, long time. Yeah. Later, uh, we failed the company. Uh, the company was not that well at the end. Uh, yeah. Uh, even we had a good trust to each other. So probably, and, and we believe that was uh, not only the issue with the culture or trust, uh, sometimes it's like uh, the, the, the reality of the, the, the world itself. Uh, that was, one thing was uh, the market targeting, uh, the marketing and the actual uh, post uh, was that the, the, the post-production uh, process, we were not really uh, realized on the, uh, that uh, area. And yeah, it's like, uh, isn't it? The, the, the game industry is, yes, is a creative, uh, creativity. It is a creative uh, industry. We are making something very different from uh, the others, but still this is business. So we cannot run away from the, the real life, like money, uh, financial, marketing, investment, everything. Yeah, and sometimes Yes, I know uh, if we are only talking about performance of the development, the game development itself, then yes, uh, the trust and the culture is really important. But if we are talking about also, uh, yeah, talking about the, the performance of the overall outcome, then I think, uh, yeah, not only the trust is like uh, uh, the, the structure, isn't it? The structure and uh, all the, the, the pipeline of entire process is also quite important. Thanks. Christoph, I think you were first. Ah, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, so, so I think that that that, that point of being in a creative industry is is, is hugely important here, uh, and I think we can borrow uh, concepts from different uh, other creative industries. Like I, I started my career working as a, in theater, actually. And what they do there when they whenever they start a new play, they have a big collationing. I think it's called uh, much only in English, but uh, where, where you gather everyone who's in any way involved with the project and that means also you know finance marketing uh, the, the 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 ones that that run the theater for instance just to be able to because because that's where you start to understand okay why does this matter and as you say as well if it is a business and there's nothing wrong with being upfront with yeah, one of the targets is we're gonna hit this, you know, financial uh, target, for instance, within a certain point, and just being very, very clear on that helps people uh, to organize around that goal, self-organize. Where I, I know my, my uh, I, I learned a lot when I was at the tactile in Copenhagen, for instance, to, to do these sort of things. And one of his, the, when the CEO there asked me the founder, uh, one of his, his. Uh, observations was between actually Finland, where I know uh, that you are, Chris, uh, and, and Denmark, which is next to Sweden as well, um, where the Finnish uh, way uh, to talk about games was, was much more business focused than in Denmark. 
And that also helped the Finnish market to be, the Finnish game producers be more successful because they were, they were like aligning uh, um, to, to, to try to achieve these sort of financial targets. And I think that, that, uh, that's quite uh, consequential uh, in, in trying to, you know, build up a new team and set, set, set the direction as well. I think, uh, Eamon, did you have something you wanted to add there? Yeah, I just want to comment on what Chris said. I think he had a, a good point there that just because you have, an, say, an effective team that, that have, for us to have everything that we want in a team and work well together, doesn't mean that, that the product that you're creating is going to be successful. That's, that's not, that, that doesn't mean, I mean, you have terrific indie companies that, that are just working the best, but just the games are just not selling and they just can't make them both as big. So, uh, so yeah, there's always, this business is a risk business for sure. Uh, uh, and, uh, having teams or creating good teams doesn't necessarily, or, or promoting creativity doesn't necessarily make, make us successful in a sense. But I think if we don't have that, if we don't have that creativity, if we don't create these teams, we wouldn't have a business at all. So, uh, uh, so yeah. Um, yeah and then the, the, to, to, add, to add to that, I mean, as well, I mean, speaking to it, uh, uh, having one project in can be a massive learning for a team. Uh, yeah. Thinking back uh, at my, my, my days at King, uh, uh, this was before, uh, before well, the, uh, the Facebook games even were popular. Uh, they were they were working on uh, I think it was Marcus Bash of Notch from um, the My- Minecraft fame was working on uh, on uh, something called Puzzle Saga. Two years they spent working on that project, just you know trying to figure it out. Never actually didn't figure it out. It didn't lie. It was too complex or some other factor that uh, made it not successful. But then. The, the, the ones in that team could leverage those learnings into the next project, which was which Saga Princess, taking some of that aspects to it and, and, and learning for that. And just perseverance, I think, is, is hugely important in order to be able to, to succeed and take work. Yeah. Make sure that the failure is, is failure, but it's not always, you know, that it, it's something you learn from. I'm just reflecting from speaking to all the studios now like if we're building a new team i think what christoph said like when you're actually hiring the people you need to make sure you have that marriage of personal motivation with the company outside of work is that going to be nice cool because then if things go wrong if the project fails is this someone who's going to be committed for a year two years do you want them to be committed for a year two years what if you hire like seven people, you're doing the thing, and then the superstar just leaves, which I've seen happen multiple times. Can you handle that? Is that worth the risk? So I think one of the key things for a brand new team is making sure that at least the core, like the each individual partner or development, like there's at least someone there you know is at least hopefully as much embedded as possible with the vision for the company. And like vision for the company, I'm seeing this in interview stages. So I see some clients, so basically like gaming studios, they lose out on top talent because they didn't sell themselves to the talent. So sometimes you just need to just make sure like, by the way, this is what you're going to get yourself into. Be transparent and just sell the fact that this is going to be a great time because then you get those superstars, I think, like the top 1%. Because at least when I'm talking to them, 
when you get to a certain stage, you just want something where you know the culture is going to be good, the tech's going to be cool, and management aren't going to be rude. <laughs> you get all those three happy days. And if you can show that in the interview process, give them a good time, that's how you get those top tier talent, at least from where I'm sitting. That's what my little two cents. Uh, next question, I believe, is Ryan. Ryan, what is your question and the context behind Um Yes. Um, my my question is uh, uh, is probably a very post COVID up to date question, um, as it's uh, it's around how do we manage high performance in teams uh, in remote and hybrid contexts, uh, and um, and being uh, quite open here, it can be like in, if it's fully remote or hybrid mode. Uh, and I'm not really strong on opinion on which one is this one because I think both are really interesting and have very similar challenges. Um, context to that is, I mean, basically the whenever or recently whenever I joined uh, companies, uh, it was um, in in a situation where it was remote or hybrid situations. Um, there are these very different dynamics to when what I was used to before. Uh, it's 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 dynamics where people talk a bit less or very differently. They they have these specific moments where they talk. Um, people are very protective sometimes on their focus times or very active on messengers uh, or messenger messaging chats and stuff like that. Um, sometimes you have people that you don't hear of for a certain time amount of time you you may sometimes as a producer or manager you feel that maybe they're not performing when they're doing that or you are i don't know sure it depends um and yeah i'm I'm really just and then when sometimes you ask people to come to the office or you feel that there's something in the office that then nobody shows up uh so yeah I'm, I'm just curious how what your experiences are on that and, and what you've maybe done in your teams to, to kind of mitigate that or find solutions for that uh there's maybe not really good answers here and maybe there's also just it's it's really just uh trying to to see how people feel about this i have a lot of thoughts there too but we'll share them afterwards who wants to take this i'll choose you emil yeah sure uh yeah i've, I've had quite a quite a lot of experience working both both remote teams and hybrid teams i would say here uh both in my, my, my own company, uh, back in time, uh, I cooperated with an Indian uh, company. We basically swelled my, my staff to the double because <laughs> I had a huge project. I couldn't really hire that many people for that project, but so I outsourced uh, a big part uh, of, of things. Um, and also uh, when I work with the big AAA titles, we've been everything from six to 17 studios cooperating in these projects. and. My take from from uh, at least remote uh, working in co-op or or, or outsourcing uh, or remote teams is is that you need to have really very clear mandates to what what they're supposed to do. Uh, uh, also, very clear roles. Uh, roles is something that that comes up often. Um, and very clear expectations of the results that they're supposed to do. Uh, because you might you might be twelve different uh, twelve hour or hour work difference, you know, uh, time difference between where you work and you're not, and you might not be able to have regular meetings when something happens or where something uh, comes up. So, so you need to have very much more so defined 
uh, mandate roles and 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 an expectation of results uh, in these situations uh, for these teams because you can't really build a team spirit in the traditional sense around the team and and all the trust and stuff but but you can make the teams take charge of what they have and be proud of those things and and be proud of of, of their responsibilities their mandate and and they can really you can really empower them with that uh, so so you can still have that kind of functioning really well uh, in a team. Uh, right now, uh, we're kind of working hybrid in a way because part of my team is in, in Stockholm, in in Sheleftio, they're, they're in uh, Madrid, and I have a few people in the United States as well uh, and in Denmark. And so it becomes, some things becomes really tricky to coordinate uh, sometimes. So you kind of have to do it in a personal basis in this sense with these people. Uh, and to make sure that once we do things that, that we make sure everybody is informed of, of what, what we're doing uh, all the time. Uh, and I think that's the thing for hybrid, at least to make people always know what we're doing all the time uh, and not forget about someone, you know. Uh, and uh, and that, that can be a challenge. That's not necessarily easy to do at all. Uh, but it can, it can work. It can work. I mean, we worked the whole COVID on distance, all of us, and that would, that would kind of qualify as a hybrid work, but it works. It's just, uh, it's just a little bit trickier. What do you thought? Everybody's been taking, taking responsibility for it as well, but I think we can, we can make the, the, the underlying, uh, opportunities from the company side or from the project side to make it easier for them to be able to, to work in that, in that environment as well. Uh, that's for sure we can do. Uh, Chris. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, I think Emil, you point out the really important uh, important part. Uh, I mean, it's like uh, yeah, I met some people. Like uh, they they uh, think uh, uh, the management is the most important for the hybrid and remote work. But uh, yeah, my opinion is they're quite similar to you. And it's like uh, I think the, the 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 role and the responsibility, the definition uh, at uh, advanced. Uh, advanced definition of the role and responsibility is really important for the people because it's like a management is just following someone it's, it's just trying to track some something uh and the, in the remote situation it's really difficult to understand actually what's happened there so yeah that one i think uh yes it's like, like uh, giving the the mandate uh the the main role defining the role uh the make uh, some some uh agreement uh, all uh, the tasks and uh, all the details that is really important and also it's like a, uh, uh, yeah I, I think one more one more uh, thing uh, to add up here is like uh, uh, asking the experience during the work is also quite important because if you are if we are all at the office all together actually we can uh, have a very easy chat to each other about the, the the experience and how's going on or any kind of a side uh situation or something like that but if we are working in the remote and and actually if we have uh, some coffee time together uh, we have a quite a lot of learning not from the the output of the people yeah so i uh, yeah it's like a, in the remote situation i think uh, it's like uh, every time it will be good to ask to someone not about the output itself, uh, is to ask about okay, what was the experience, uh, how, what happened, or 
what was the uh, process uh, during your work or something like that. So it's like a trying to understand how is uh, the work going on, not to try to bring it out the result only. I think that. So from my view, yeah, I think that it, that was uh, one of the, the key points for me. Yeah, I wanted to add also uh, a little bit on, I mean, it can't be all work and no play, right? Uh, and and that, that's a little bit of a painful lesson for me uh, when working during COVID. That, uh, it, it is hugely important to, to actually consciously think about uh, social activities. Um, you set up the times where you can meet, talk, and it's not programmed. Uh, I think that that uh, just in in a in a remote or hybrid setting, that that's one of the most crucial differences where that just happens usually in an office. Sometimes not though, and we shouldn't just glorify the office work as well because you have one sort of negative behaviors and in groups and out groups and stuff like that in an office too. But especially in in a, in a remote setting, the, the the creating that sort of uh, settings for the team to, to, to be able to socialize, to talk to each other, to, to, and, and preferably about something that is completely different from work, but not at all related. Even the scheduling time for it can work, uh, but but the, the, you need to figure out a little bit what what works for this team. And I, I also want to highlight the thing that it, it, in in my experience, it's 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 not always super hard to create this sort of team culture, but is that team culture always reflective of the company culture? That, I, I would say that, that, that there is often that in the remote setting, that, that can be a bigger problem where there are, yeah, you form your own culture essentially, and, and that, that might not, you know, be part of the, the yeah, I can tell you many examples that I will not bore you with now, but uh, <laughs> uh, that, that is something I reflect on when, when working with remote hybrid teams. Emil, you wanted to add something. Yeah, yeah, true. I, I reflect on that. One of the projects I worked for in Quebec, where, where I had a really worked, my team, I worked really close to uh, with a, a studio in, in India, this way, this time as well, actually. Uh, and I realized that, that the team, the team leader in, in India, I, I got a lot more contact with, with him. I felt more closer with him than a lot of other people I had, you know, as my colleagues. That that weren't in my team, but, but, you know, that were calling some mine and I had a, a lot closer to him and we, we had a stronger bond, uh, in, in the project than, than I had with people that was sitting 10, 15 meters from me, you know, uh, which was, I, I thought was interesting at the time. So yeah, why was it right? Did you, you uh, sorry? Why? Yeah. That's a good question. Why? Uh, I think we, we weren't really working with the same thing, you know? Uh, and and we were so into and motivated and doing the same things together, so we were working together to 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 solve these things. And that thing that would work together with something, and we really wanted the same thing, and and made us uh, talk a lot more together about other things as well, like like how are you and how are things in Pune, and you know, uh, even though the time difference was was twelve hours, he was he was waiting, you know, after he stopped working so I can call him in the morning and all stuff like that. So uh so I, I, I think we because of the things we we engaged ourselves together with something, 
uh, and that made us more closer in that sense than uh, and I think to, to, to find that in the project to find that to find these common grounds or find the things that you do together can form really strong bonds even even if you're you know actually working together so so yeah I thought that was a fun uh, a fun point you had there Christoph. Uh, yeah you, you guys said a lot of things that I thought about yeah I think one thing I, I want to mention is uh, and it, it connects a bit with the previous question, uh, but I think one of the things I found really challenging when uh, going to remote work is actually building teams in a remote or hybrid situation, because especially when you have a new team that doesn't know each other, well, exactly what, what you mentioned, Christoph, right? It, it's those social interactions that usually come a bit naturally where people kind of naturally want to know each other they don't happen or they don't happen naturally. So you kind of have to find ways to make them happen. You have to think about, oh, so how do we get people to meet? How do we get people to open up a bit and create those connections? Um, so I don't know. I, I think the conclusion I kind of come in, came to is that it just is, you can get the same results at the end. It just tends to be a bit slower um, just because people have their own rhythm a lot more in the remote situation, in a remote situation, they they tend to be a bit more. Maybe there's the family that's around, or they take a lot more time for themselves, so they're at their own rhythms. So we have to give that to them, and you, but you can get the same or similar results in the end. Yeah, which is which is a little bit like a bane and a boon, right? As well, exactly. because in the in the remote setting, you have the the, the focus uh, uh, that you often don't get in an office where you can sit for hours and really, you know, go deep and, you know, deep thinking about the topic or uh, do something. Uh, whereas the, whereas that, that sort of, that, that, that can be both a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> if you don't have those touch points. A little bit about finding or calibrating that sort of thing. And, and teams, teams, I mean, I also think actually put the Asking the team, I mean, putting the problem to the team uh, is a good idea here as well. Uh, you know, in the retrospective, uh, so we've we've been doing this now. There wasn't that much collaboration. Why is that? Okay, then you know you use your whatever chance you have to try to figure out what to do. Uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, and and I've seen many like nice things come out of that as well, where um, people have like Discord channels open uh, for the team and things like that to, to mimic sort of a <laughs> office setting. But I also seen it work very well when you maybe have a little more introverted <laughs> that really focuses on the, the, the particular meetings you have planned and you know prepare and stuff like that. So, by letting teams find their own way, I think is is, is quite quite important in that in that respect. I'm thinking about this now because this is the reason we started the podcast. That's what happened. Like at the start, we were like, "What do we do to add value?" People said, oh, "We don't know how to do this remote thing during the pandemic." Boom, we've done 200 podcasts, and this was a lot. So I'm just thinking now from my experience because a lot of the contractors we work with are fully remote, and that's one thing that comes up a lot. Is like, okay, how do they feel part of the team? Like we've had contractors for two, three years. Like, how? Why would they be there? And what I keep hearing in terms of feedback is, if you can afford it, hundred percent, let them come into the office a couple of weeks at the start. Game changer. If you can do it, thank God, amazing. Make them stay after work for a couple of drinks. It's just you could do that online, 
eventually over 12 months but why not do that in one week and then it will affect those 12 months so if you can do that that's one thing also what christoph just said is case by case if everyone's introverted and they're not really enjoying the whole let's ask questions and really really talkative then put it to them but like the open discord channels like we do that here is quite nice we have quite of a mix we just stole a bunch of different ideas from gaming studio to see what sticks so like every friday we have a speaker everyone can join and we try to everyone can join us online half an hour and we just chat shit play games basically and it's nice to meet some other people i feel like it's getting a bit too big now like 30 people so i feel like this comes back to what emil said if you have a team of 30 people and everyone's remote can you slice that down can you make it so the incentives align between two or three people one thing that's been really successful during the start of like especially senior talent but i think even more especially for like a junior talent if they're remote buddy system if you can afford a buddy system where they're just shadow for the last first two weeks even remotely just be on a call most of the day if especially if they're coding together boom you know then you get situations where they're talking about outside of work happy days and just generally having a better time and i think it all comes back to trust when you think of a high performing team it's because there's trust then you don't build trust over text usually i mean i've never managed to do it you need to just have those calls and banter and so on uh, emil yeah i have an example of what we did actually uh that we had a, a a chat channel with video open at certain hours where everybody you know could join uh but not 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 a big not a big group but i mean up to to maybe yeah eight ten max and uh so everybody could talk with each other while we're working you saw what you're doing and someone had a story and kind of a way to socialize together when you're working even though you're not there together and 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 it was really appreciated. Some appreciated more than others, of course. Some are introverted, as you said. But, but I think for a lot of people that, that were really, um, that were really important for, for people to do. And and also, uh, we ended solving a lot of stuff as well. Just just talking over, you know, doing nothing really, just working normally and just talking shit. Uh, stuff ended up being solved. So, so yeah, there are alternatives for sure. Lovely. So we'll move on quickly to the final question, which is from Christoph. What is your question and the context behind it? Yeah. So, so I, my question is uh, how to help uh, product teams find motivation and even in difficult times, because not, it, it's not all wine and roses, uh, you know what I mean? And, and motivation here, um, I, uh, it's a little bit of a pet area for me, the interest area for me to really, you know, understand what, what are the dynamics, what can we learn from academia when it comes to motivation, stuff like that. But more than that, I'm interested a little bit to hear uh, your reflection on this question. Maybe I can hand it over to you, Evan. Right. Uh, yeah, that that's, that's actually a very, very good question. Um, and I think all teams will struggle with that eventually, uh, somehow. I mean, in my experience in the gaming world is it's often happens uh, after release even in big projects or small projects but after you, after you have a release it's kind of a, a release for the team as well it is like a climax or something but normally even in console games you have the DLCs you have uh, patches in mobile games you don't continue producing as, as we are because we don't maybe release the whole game with all the features but we want to have data as well to be able to know what directions we're going to take with the game as well. So we just keep working in the same way, working the same same pace, if you will, if you like. 
And normally that's when people kind of lose their motivation. They kind of, people want to finish something and then like, I'm proud of this and then kind of maybe do something else, but then they just keep doing the same thing again, you know? And that normally has a huge dip in teams. A lot of teams I work with that people just lose the whole motivation for what they're doing. And then, and then everything used to come difficult and then and it's not fun anymore. And, you know, stuff like that. It's, I don't know if you had that, that same kind of experience, but, but I think what, what we've done and a few times with this is kind of maybe to slow down the pace a little bit. Um, like once you come in that period, it goes slower for people. And if you keep going in the same pace and expect the same results when that happened, that can really stress people out and, and make people actually quit. Uh, it, it can be that bad, uh, or it just becomes really stressful for people. And, and that creates this environment that, that makes it even worse for, for all teams who can have long-term kind of repercussions as well. So, so yeah, slow down the pace for a short, for a short while and, and try to address it when you know it's happening, address it directly. Don't wait doing that, like just do it directly. You feel like this is going this way. Uh, so slow down, start addressing it. Uh, talk about it with the team, see if you could identify things and then let people talk about that. And that helps if you have a good feedback culture. Uh, so you can actually take in those, this information, uh, and have people have the trust in the, the to, to be able to speak with you about it, uh, and to tell how they feel and what they, what they, what they know. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's one thing you can do as well. Uh, I know Ryan, you might have something else. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I find it really interesting that you're raising, or that's something I've heard by a lead producer or one of people person I, I worked with before is, you know, we're working on project and when you think th about things in terms of releases, sometimes you think, or well, we even use the term sprint, right? But we have to remind ourselves that usually we're running a marathon and we're just you know, it, it's going on and on and, and, and it just continues. It, it's, it never really ends. There's always another project. There's always something else to work on. And sometimes just relieving the stress of like, you have to deliver something for the next one. Well, yeah, sure. But there's going to be another one after. So you just, you know, we're working and we're having, we're playing together or we're having fun together and working and doing this work. Um, and we're co contributing together. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then. To keep the motivation up for me, I think what's really important is is making sure that people they feel that they feel they can participate, they're involved, and they contribute to the project. And for some, depending on who it is, for some people that means they take part in decision making at their level. For others, it's about they have creative projects or they 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 feel that they're doing something that they get meaning in, uh, either creatively or or another sense. Um, and then understanding, helping them sometimes create the transparency to make sure that people understand why certain things are happening can help them a lot in, in going through difficult like periods of the company or there's a difficult decision that had to be made, making sure that everybody gets the information of why it's made, I think helps a lot. I, I just want to comment on, on that oscillation between, uh, uh, between release pressure and yeah, and and the lower uh, low, low time, so to speak, uh, and I think that that's a lesson that we can draw both for the teams, 
but also uh, when it comes to games as well. I'm sure you're aware about the cheeks and the high slow theory where you have uh, this sort of optimal funnel of um, skill and challenge. Whereas in real life, that that is not optimal. <laughs> that is the, not optimal. It's optimal to reach the flow state, but, but you really need to be... Sometimes the, the, the challenge is going to be really hard. Sometimes they will not be that hard. And that's, I think, quite crucial for motivation. <laughs> So just wanted to add that before ending over with the, the Chris. Do you have some thoughts on motivation as well? Yeah, for this one, I think, uh, yeah, uh, we still need to think uh, the game development is, uh, yeah, not only the development, but the game industry is a teamwork. Not, yeah, maybe not only the game industry. Everything is uh, based on the, mostly based on the teamwork. And also the teamwork comes from the individuals. So uh, I think we we need to think about two different motivations, like a team motivations and the individual motivations. It's like even we met, uh, even we try to, uh, yeah, find out the good motivation with the uh, the, the people. Uh, sometimes it doesn't match to each other. Then yeah, team motivation may not uh, have a synergy, and then yeah, it can not be really run well. Yeah, and all on the other way also. So. Yeah, I think uh, that too. Uh, yeah, that too is sometimes it's not really aligning to each other. So we have to think about how to uh, make a real good alignment uh, with the team motivation and uh, the individual motivations. And also for the individual, especially for the individual motivations, uh, is like as you know, um, everyone has a different uh, kind of a mm, different. A point of view of their own motivation, what what they are going to motivate on it. So it's uh, some people uh, feel some people get the motivation from the vision, some people get the motivation from the compensation, some people from the different things. So yeah, uh, I I think even for that one, yeah, we need to talk uh, very closely to the person by person, and and yeah, I think we can we we are coming back to what Ryan said is like that trust. Is really important in this conversation because it's like a yeah I, I, even for myself sometimes I feel like uh, uh, I'm not really talking my my very deep something <laughs> in there it's like uh, sometimes my wife says okay please do this and yeah it's not giving me motivation to act what he, what she wants me to do but yeah it's like a yeah I'm just telling okay yeah I I, I love to do that <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, it's like uh, the trust uh, is quite important, I think. Yeah, so uh, the, I think Emil, you had something more to add up. Yeah, I think uh, uh, you made a, a, an important distinction there, uh, which I think it's, it's, it's important to distinguish between team motivation and individual motivation. Yeah, it's not exactly the same thing. Like a team can be unmotivated because they didn't really finish their the goals that they had set together, et cetera, or, or didn't reach where, where they wanted as a team, for instance. And that you can work with a team in that sense. But a lot of times it's personal motivations that failing with people. And, and that that can be a completely different thing for different reasons. And you must address them differently as well. Uh, uh, personal motivation, as I said, is, is not something that you have or not have. It's a skill that you work with and you can work with, with the people that you have in your team as well. And basically, 
based on three three things is choice connection and and competence if you wish choice to, to choose the things that you can do and feel like you're empowered by doing them you have a connection to them somehow that you feel it's important to you or to your company for instance or, or what you're actually doing and that you feel that you have competence to do this or or support to have the competence or that you feel that you can learn something from it for instance and if you can find all these three things then it's a high chance that you will have a motivated uh, a motivated person in a team that 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 feels that they what they are doing is important and what they want is is something that that they're doing so so yeah working with the team and the individual both i think uh, is the key here and i, and I love that you're mentioning uh, self-determination theory here uh, i think i do is, yes is, is, it is really important and, and glued to games by scott rigby is, is is essential reading here i think in this context as well so recommendation i just want to share that little tip Lovely. Guys, I think that's a good time to leave it there. Uh, this has been the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. I would like to thank Emil, Christoph, and Chris and Ryan for providing their insights. Really appreciate you guys. And yeah, if you'd like to get involved in a podcast, you may have seen us on LinkedIn. Please reach out to someone at Evolution. Reach out to me. I'm Harry Foku. Harry Foku is spelled out with P-H-O-K-O-U. But yeah, thank you everyone at home for listening and see you later.